Welcome to Grief Recovery Now podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Gorzella, your grief recovery specialist. This podcast is being produced just for you, someone who has been challenged and heartbroken over a significant and devastating loss, death, divorce, sudden life change, or the many other ways we experience grief. You will be taken on a conversational journey with me and some special guests who have come out the other side of grief and committed to small, powerful, and courageous steps that made all the difference in their lives for the better. I want to instill in you on what is possible, that joy, hope, peace, and happiness is closer than you think. While your life is forever changed, you can have a beautiful new outlook on your relationships and loss with a sense of completion that goes deep in your soul. Ready, set, now. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Charlene Gorzella, your host for the Grief Recovery Now podcast. So happy you're here today and wherever you are, just know we are here for you. It's always myself. I'm here for you totally. I'm committing a piece of my life to this work, grief recovery. And I also know our guest, Joe McQuinlan, is here for you too. And whether you're listening to this because you just love to listen to podcasts and there's something about this grief business you're curious about, or you've really experienced some grief recently or decades ago or last year, or even now that you're not alone. There's a part of our podcast, especially when we begin the podcast, is a segment called Off the Cuff with Charlene. And today is a day that I don't feel all the way there. And it happened the last couple of days. I've recorded, this is my second recording in the last couple of days. And whether you're in the United States or anywhere else in the world, because we do have listeners all over the world, we had a tragedy, a few tragedies in this last, just this year, 27 shootings in the United States. This last one in Uvalde, Texas was, I think there's 19 or 20 children killed and two adults. And it's a tragedy felt nationwide in the United States. And I'm sure it's heard about in in all parts of the world. But I am off center in my whole being. I can't even describe it into words. And what I'd like to talk about today is communal grief. and. How do we walk through it together? And it's great. I've always told people in the grief recovery world, while we need our time to be and be in our silence and our solitude, a really healing and recovery part of grief, and not that you want to get rid of the grief because it's very sacred, but I believe true grief is in the heart. And my job as a grief recovery specialist is to get out of your head, our head, my head, in the coulda, shoulda, wouldas in the so-called justified anger, the intellectual part, because I believe grief is sacred and not to mistake anger and sadness and violence as grief. It's not. And as I just said, grief is very sacred. It's a heart space. And when when I'm with my clients or even my guests, I am a heart with ears. Even though in my podcast, I'm a participant in there, But I really put on my heart with ears hat. And even though this tragedy that happened at Uvalde, Texas, at Robb Elementary School, 
I am not a mother. I'm not a father. I'm not a brother. I'm not a sister. I'm not in that community, but I believe I'm in the collective community of this horrific event that just happened. It was so horrific. Besides being in the grief space, it was also traumatic. I feel trauma. They're not my children. They're not my relatives. They're not my friends. I don't know them. But I tell you, in the oneness, what I believe, we're all one and we are all energy. What happens to my brothers and sisters, not in blood, in this world, it happens to me. And so I want to take this time on this off the cuff with Charlene and just help anyone who may be going through a really hard time or this has compounded some grief that you are going through. And just to remind you, in this communal grief, there's power in that. There's this saying, and this is not a religion. I don't have my podcast is not religious or spiritual, even though I talk about that stuff or my guest talks about that stuff. This is not a program like specifically on this. This is in the grief space. It's non-denominational. It's come as you are podcast. And so just to let you know on the sacredness of it, when we share it, grief shared, tragedy shared it sort of not lightens it up. It just gives space to the truth of what each individual is experiencing. My experience of this tragedy and some of the tragedies that have been happening, even in the Ukraine and all that, how I'm experiencing it is so different from anyone else who's experiencing it. Grief to me is like a fingerprint. We all experience it like a fingerprint, the uniqueness of each and every one of our fingerprints. And just I'm jumping the gun here, but Joe, our speaker, Joe McQuinlan and his wife, they lost a son tragically. It's by divine appointment, divine timing, whatever you may call it. I'm recording today with Joe, whose son tragically died a few years ago. And I had a mother who wrote a book on grief and loss who I recorded with yesterday. And I had COVID the last couple of weeks. And so I had to reschedule everyone. So I think there's no coincidences and there are no mistakes in this particular timing of um, recording my podcast. So let's all stick together. And when I talk about there's power in communal grief, who knows what can come out of this? How do we innovate ourselves through all of this. I've had people who have had children die and they decided to start a not-for-profit. They decided to write a book. They decided to foster a child. They decided to have another child or whatever you choose to do. And I'm not saying this; these action steps are necessary to do right now because all has its timing. And I can never tell anyone how long they grieve or how to grieve. It's, I believe there's a deepening of love going on in this world right now. And I hope it outshines any of the darkness that is in this world today. And I even think of the 18-year-old who was a boy who was the perpetrator of this at the Uvalde, Texas school. So let's all just be and just be with it and pray for our brothers and sisters that have immediately been um, affected by it. 
how they are at their daily lives and all how they are with this tragedy. And that's it. I feel a little jumbled because before this, a lot of my listeners know that I take a bath before most of my podcasts just to be and out of respect for my listeners so I could be centered. But I took a much longer bath and I'm out of sorts. And if you are, just be there. And that's what I'm going to do today. And now to welcome our guest, Joe McQuinlan. Let me tell you a little bit about him. This is the second time he's been on the Grief Recovery Now podcast. I had him on the first time in his first book. And then I asked him, would he come on when he writes another book? I didn't even know if he had that percolating yet. I said, if you write another book, I want you back on. And here we are the second time, which is just awesome. So Joe McQuinlan has been married to his wife, Sally, for 30 years and is the father of three children. One of his sons is now on the other side. Joe was the youngest of 10 children born into an Irish Catholic family. Although he has had two successful careers, Joe is at heart a blue collar kid from Buffalo, New York. Joe is 36 years sober and a member of AA, which is Alcoholics Anonymous. In fact, that has helped him get close to God and helped to carry him through the dark times after Chris's crossing. Unwilling to accept a world devoid of his beloved son, Christopher, Joe began to research the metaphysical and seek out the answers to what happens next. Joe and Chris's book, My Search for Christopher on the Other Side, tells the story of the journey of discovery over the first two years. His second book, We're Not Done Yet, Pop, My Lessons from the Other Side, takes his audience to the next level of discovery and awakening. Joe speaks to parents who have seemingly lost children. He hopes to bring them comfort and hope. When Joe finished his first book, he thought he was one and done. But Chris let him know that we're not done yet, Pop. And indeed, they weren't. Welcome, Joe. We're so glad you're here today. Thanks, Char. Appreciate you having me on again. My total pleasure. And this is quite the time in our world. And I felt I was a little all over the place in my yeah. um, off the cuff with Charlene. I, so please forgive me, everyone. And I'm just going to be where I am and, yeah. and love you all and come from love and all that I do. And Joe, yeah. you've written your second book. And before <laughs> you get there, not everyone knows who you are. If you yeah. want to listen to his first podcast, it is in the menu of our podcast list. Joe McQuinlan. And Joe, can you talk about what it was like, what happened, what it's like now? Yeah, Just so I our should. listeners who haven't heard you before can get yeah, a taste of who you are from, and even talk about the first book and then going into the second book. But where Absolutely. did you grow up? You were this Brooklyn boy. No, no. Buffalo, not Brooklyn. Oh, Buffalo. Other, <laughs> other side of the state. Um, Sorry. No, I, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm happy to share this because, uh, it's important, especially after the tragedies of this week. And, and, you know, my son was 21 years old, a lot like his old man, uh, a lot like his mom. His mom was sweet and, and, and deep and loving. And, and I was a little bit of a wild child. And, and so was my boy, uh, sweet, uh, but, 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 but a handful. And uh, he was home from college, 21 years old, and uh, for uh, Christmas break. And the last weekend before going, going back, he uh, and his friends decided to go up to one of their buddies' lake houses in, in Lake Beulah, which is about an hour north of where we live on the North Shore of Chicago, hour and a half north. And, 
and just kick up their heels. Uh, they went up on a Saturday, drank at a local tavern, shot pool. There were a dozen of them, boys and girls. They were all crashing at this guy's lake house. And Sally and I were kind of pleased because they were going to be in this kind of safe bucolic setting, you know, up in the North Woods. And, you know, they, they all went back after drinking a little too much, went back to the house and shot pool. And three o'clock in the morning, Chris and, and three buddies uh, went outside and walked past a boathouse. And somebody got the idea, wouldn't that be a hoot? And four of them jumped in a three-man canoe with with layered clothing and untied Timberland boots and and snoot full of alcohol and partially frozen lake and paddled out. None of them, none of them made it back. You know, I, uh, we were supposed to watch a football game together the next day. And, uh, at 11 o'clock, I got a text from the kid whose parents owned the lake house and said, Mr. McHugh, Chris and three friends are missing. So I threw on a runner jacket, grabbed my lab, threw her in the car and Jeep and started heading up figuring I was going to find him with a pretty co-ed or, you know, with a kegger or something. And, uh, and I got a call halfway up from the uncle who lived in the uh, same area and said, you know, it's no longer a search, but a recovery that all four boys had drowned, you know, and it, and it came to me, Charlene, that uh, this is January 3rd, 2016, by the way, that I wasn't ready to face the world without my, my boy. And I, I, you know, although I believed in a higher power, God, Yahweh, great spirit, whatever you want to call him, you know, my life wasn't very much involved in the spiritual or the metaphysical at all in the metaphysical. You know, 15 years before, I had seen a medium kind of on a lark, and and the reading was a little mundane. But she did at the end say, your dad's here, and he's and he's telling, showing me a caboose and telling me railroad. And if you look on the back of my bookcase, there's a railroad lantern. My family was a railroad family. My dad spent 40 years on the railroad raising 10 kids. All the boys worked on the railroad during school including me and stayed on as a brakeman and worked a couple of times with my old man. And would sometimes when I was a kid, go to the railroad and were with him and he was a yard master. And it was one of those big towers overneath the railroad yard. And I'd, you know, when he worked nights, I'd spend the night there. And, you know, so that was part of who we were. So when I got that message, it was clear that the old man was somewhere that was accessible. And that was it. He wasn't a verbose guy. I didn't go into it. Right. But he was accessible. So on this drive up, I thought, all right, if my old man's somewhere and my son just transitioned, he's going to be with me. That's, that's how my family rolls. We're very clannish. And, and so I need to figure this out. And, and Charlene, I was very clear that if this was all hokey BS, new age BS, that I'd find something else, but let's check this out. And that began my search, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it led to me seeing other mediums and it led to me going to spirit circles and, and, and going to see presentations and, and, and eventually on the anniversary of, of his crossing, I'm um, actually getting channeled writing messages from my boy, which continue to this day, you know, a couple times a month, I come in this office that used to be his bedroom and I light sage and I align my chakras and, and I light candles and listen to a guided meditation until I look like a guy who would light sage and, and candles and align my chakras. But that's exactly who I am. You know, there is a great. And a, just to let you know, I've known yeah. Joe for many years. Oh, yeah. We both are sober yeah. members of AA and, and we're long-term recovery 
And so just knowing Joe, what he's doing now with his little Buffalo accent (laughs) and Chicago mixed in, I think. And, you know, I mean, he was just I bought my first car from a a Camaro. Yeah, I was a little bit of a party guy at the time, (laughs) you know, prior to getting sober. You know, he's one of the not even the uh, tough guy, but yet, you know, like one of the Bowery Boys type of guy. One of the guys, you know, and and I always say that I'm a I'm an average guy on this unbelievable, amazing journey. You know, there was a, a book written called The Shack and the movie was actually good, too. And at one point, there was a guy who lost a daughter in a horrific way and and through a series of, of connections, ended up one on one with the Trinity within was with God. God said, just because I work incredible good out of unspeakable tragedies doesn't mean I orchestrate the tragedies. Mm-hmm. And, and I had to come to that grips too, Charlene, because of my wild background, I had to make sure I had to find out that Christopher wasn't taken from me to pay for my sins of my past, or, or God wasn't moving around like chess pieces, that Chris's free will caused him to make that transition. And, and what am I going to do about it? If, if I wanted to figure this out, which I did, and I took it on in true McQuillan fashion, you know, with both my hands and all my heart, and, and embraced the metaphysical. And and really was ready to cross it off if it was if it wasn't what it turned out to be, which was that we're spiritual beings having a physical experience here. There was a, a, a you know a great line from from the movie "What Dreams May Come." And, Love that and, movie. And 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 so and so Cuba Gooding Jr. said to the other character who died and said that you are the the, the word body comes from the the term bodic Anglo-Saxon term bodic that means a housing for temporary housing for the spiritual self. And he said, you know, you are your, you, you, you live in your house. That doesn't mean you are your house. If your house falls down, you get up and you walk away. And that's what the physical body is. This isn't our first go round. I knew nothing about this before, Shar. This isn't our first go round. And this isn't our last go round unless we choose it to be. But in, in Christopher's case, something caused, whether it was a, and I believe in soul contracts. I do not believe in predestination. And I believe that there was a soul contract that he would leave early. And as heartbreaking and as horrific as that is, it put me on a path to help others. I do. You talked about sharing grief. You know, I, I do a lot of work with helping parents heal, which is this unbelievable online group and live group that you have to be a parent who's lost a child to be able to be included. You have to get screened. And it's a place where you know, I've done some presentations and and I go there to find some strength and some support. It's where, you know, you can post things and not feel like you're looking for sympathy. I, I go to, I go to the Christopher's grave all the time, but it's not like I'm some old man feeding pigeons in, in, in the park. You know, I go there because it's a thin place for me. It's a place where the world is that both worlds are thinnest and, and, and I can connect with them. And I've experienced a bunch of thin places across the country and I've written about them and I've written about it's an Irish term, thin place. And, What's and the I, thin place? The veil? Yeah, it was the veil is thinnest. The veil? Where the veil mm-hmm. is thinnest between both worlds. Yeah. Um, I went to Sedona expecting it to be a, a wonderful awakening. And it was, you know, kind of ho-hum. I went to Lilydale, which is the oldest spiritualist community in the country, near where I grew up in upstate New York. And I was overwhelmed. You know, beaches in, in Florida, the Gulf Coast. Siesta Key. I always keep Siesta Key sand around. You know, Siesta Key, the sand is quartz crystal, 99%. Came down from the Appalachian Mountain 2,000 years ago. You know, I thought that was 
legend. So I looked it up and researched and dang, if it isn't, you know, so I always have some quartz crystal and Christopher is very strong when I, when I'm there in Florida and, and yet we always connect on, on Siesta Key, usually at three o'clock in the morning, you know, and it's in a magnificent. So a lot of it is doing the footwork, Shar. You know, if you've lost somebody, you, you, you got to do the footwork if you want to connect. And, and the bottom line is they're, uh, they're, they're at a higher energy level than we are spirit. And we're at a lower level. So when we meditate, when we do the things that we do to, to open our mind and heart, they can lower their level. We raise ours and we connect in the middle. And that's where the magic happens. You know, that's when, when a spirit can come through. That's when Christopher connects with me. You know, but it also involves, you know, changing your life a little bit. I wasn't a bad guy, Shar, but I was a little self-centered that what mattered to me was what mattered to me. And now I know that service is what I'm supposed to be doing. When I'm dealing, I, I deal a lot. And, you know, feel free to give people my email. Um, my website is joemcquillen.net. And there's a lot of great interviews, a lot of great information, steps for connecting. Some original music we did, me and Brad Nye, who was Dick Holiday and the Bamboo Gang. And he and I are very close friends. And, and it's all about service right now. I don't look like a guy that would quote Haruki Murakami, but Murakami said, and once the storm is over, you won't remember how you made it through, how you managed to survive. You won't even be sure whether the storm is really over. But one thing is certain, when you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what storms are all about. And I'm not the same guy I was prior to January 3rd, 2016. My priorities are different. My ability to love is much bigger, much greater. And I, and I live my life two ways. I live my life to please my God and to make my son proud. And if every decision is based on those two tenets, I can't go wrong. Yes. There's a saying. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so happy that you've come to this place in life and it doesn't happen overnight. And there's a saying you're either pushed by pain or pulled by a vision. And I always add on first, you know, if you're going to be pushed by pain, then I hope with every fiber of my being that you are then pulled by a vision right. like you are. Yeah. And I am. Absolutely. You are devoted. You are committed. And while you feel the pain and the grief and the loss of Chris in the physical, he's still with you. This is your fingerprint. And you know something that anybody who said, by the way, any parent who lost a kid and you're waiting for it to go away, you know, I got bad news. Anybody who said time heals all wounds didn't lose a child. But that said, you know, I go through life with a, a piece of my heart and so does Sally. That's, that'll, that'll never heal. It won't heal until I see him again when I transition, right? But that doesn't mean my life can't be full. I have this amazing life with a wonderful support group of friends and family. I have, a, I have the most amazing wife. I'm still not sure how I talked to her and marrying me, but I did. <coughs> I remember and, when you met. I, I know you did. And, you know, and the first, as soon as I saw her, the party was over. You know, I, uh, I I knew that she was very, very special and she truly is. You know, she's a therapist and she's, she's her first book is it an editor and we do things differently, you know, and, uh, and that's what makes us work. We grieve separately. We grieve differently, but we had the respect to let each other grieve our own way, but we never lost sight. You know, 85% of parents who lose kids get divorced. Mm-hmm. And we never lost sight of the fact that we were both joined together with this love for each other and this amazing love for our first child that could never be, re- you know, that could never be taken away. That can never be separated. We just had to learn the rules of the game. And it is that, you know, Susan Geisman, you should ever speak to you sometime. She's a wonderful author. 
and and she was a member of the Joint Chief of Staff. You know, she, has, she was a commander in the Navy, and her stepdaughter died in a, hit by lightning with with her granddaughter in, in tow, and 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 you know she was pregnant, and and Susan started connecting as a medium, and now she's a well known uh, medium who's written a number of amazing books. Well, and one of her here. one of her books is is called uh, Still Right Here. And I steal that when I write it in my books. So I'm inscribing a book to a parent who's lost somebody. I said, your, your kids are still right here. They're still with you. And that's the truth. But there's things that you have to do. And everything I've done, I've picked up from somebody else along the way and just put it into a format that works. And once something works, I'm not going to stop doing it, which is, you know, the meditation, going into a, a guided meditation to someone who's Lofts, loved ones. You know, there's a wonderful medium out there in California. Her name's uh, Medium Kareen. And one of my best, my favorite guided meditations is on her website. And it's guided meditation to, to reach the other side. You know, and so, how do you spell her name? K A R E E N. K A R E E N. Medium Kareen. And she's amazing. I mean, just amazing. I've done a Zoom reading with her and and what's come through has been, and these people are, you know, they're, they're evidentiary mediums, which means evidential mediums, which means they come through with evidence. The first in-person medium I had seen since the 15 years before, in person, I went and saw a guy named Andrew Anderson. It was in, in the end of June in 2016, so six months after Christopher transition. And this is the moment, Shar, I went from believing to knowing. There's that aha moment when it clicks. And so I looked him up on Bob Olson's website. Bob Olson wrote a wonderful book. He was an investigator on the West Coast in LA who, who wanted to investigate the metaphysical because he wanted to reach his dad. And I think he was trying to disprove it and ended up being a huge convert and writing an amazing book, Bob Olson. And he has a website that you can look up medium, local mediums. And so I looked a guy up and he had great referrals and wonderful responses and worked with police departments. So I, I called him and just gave him my first name and made an appointment. And the day before I went to see him, I, I did, I, I had ordered some shamrock seeds and, you know, you know me, so this isn't going to surprise you. I moved them over from one grave to another. And I did that because he was buried too close to another couple and it made it look like they were there, his kid. And so I just moved him over one and I, I'll occupy that spot that, that he was in for those months. And so the dirt was loose around his grave. So I ordered the shamrock seeds so I could put them around his grave. And the shamrocks still come up to this day. And, uh, and I was just there a couple days ago and they were there. And and so I grabbed the seeds and I stopped at, a, at my dresser and pulled out this uh, leather bracelet that says dad on it and for, that he had given me when we were in Disney World and he was like four. And I'd put it in this dresser and never thought of it again after that week. And uh, some spirit came to me and said, put it on. And so I went out and, and I stopped at the grave and planted the seeds and and went over and saw this Andrew and I had a, a shirt on that covered my cuff and and I went and see, saw Andrew and he said, you know, your son's here. He's beautiful. He looks like Brad Pitt. And he said he did suffer from some depression and he, and he did abuse alcohol and, and drugs, which he did. He was my kid, what do you expect? And, uh, and, and he said, but he's saying that he's acknowledging that you planted something in his grave recently. And that you're wearing the bracelet he gave you. Mm -hmm. Now, nobody knew I planted that. I mean, Sally didn't, not because I was hiding planting shamrock seeds for my Protestant wife, but it was because I just didn't, you know, I grabbed him and went. And uh, 
That was the moment, and the readings continued. It was so solid that that's the moment I went from believing in the metaphysical to knowing and knowing my son was on the other side and knowing my son could connect with me and having no idea I was going to write a book. You know, I was just keeping notes. I would record all these medium sessions and, and notes, and I would keep them in a, in a timeline, in a folder, assuming I was just going to read them when I got old and sit on a you know rocking chair in a porch somewhere. And, uh, and, and Chris wanted me to write a book and he wanted me to reach parents who lost kids. And he, and he said to me, pushed me, he would say, you know, pop, you look, you don't look like somebody that would be in that world that makes you a better messenger because yeah. people will accept it from a guy who looks like you. And I think that's true. I certainly don't look like the average guy who spends half their life with one foot in the metaphysical, but that's, that's who I am. And, uh, as a matter of fact, in a reading the other day where he came through, um, he gave me the title to our third book, which is uh, One Foot in Each World, you know, because that's, oh. where, that's literally where my life is. You know, I have this amazing life of friends, golf, family, love, fun. And the other side is dealing with what's next. And it's amazing. And it's wonderful. There is no hell. There's no purgatory. There's a life review because he told me. And all you do is feel. You look at your whole life and you feel the hurt you've given somebody, the people in your life that you've hurt, and then the joy of the, the, the that you've given people, mm. you know? So, you know, I'm spending this last run around the track, trying to, uh, trying to shift, shift the scales a bit there and, uh, and, and, and do what I can to, you know, help others. Henry James said, there's three things are important in this world. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third is to be kind. Right on. That's that's the message. That's what I'm supposed to be spreading. How did this second book? It's like, we're not done yet, Pop. My lessons from the other side. Tell me about that. I know we talked about your story on the yeah. first book, my search for Christopher on the other side. But on this book, we're not done yet, Pop. I love that, Pop. It's just so yeah. great. Early on, there was a medium, the same one from 15 years before. and She'd moved to Arizona. And we, right after he died, after transition, I don't like to use the word died because he did. His spirit's very alive. Now, let me explain something. It sucks, right? I mean, what happened is a bell that can't be unrung. But I would rather be metaf- ignorant of all things metaphysical and be able to go play around to golf this weekend with my son. But that's not in the cards. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it, right? So this is what I do to, to stay connected with him. And, and I was finishing up the first book, and I was feeling melancholy. What a great term, melancholy. I was feeling melancholy because I was afraid that maybe after this project was over, our connection wouldn't be as strong. And it's very strong. And he came through to me and he said, uh, we're not done yet, Pop. We're going we're gonna to keep running until you cross. You know, And, and the Pop thing, when, when he was on this side, he would call me dad when it was serious and Pop when I was you know, his dad. And, and so this medium from 15 years before early on said, he's calling you something, but it's not dad or father. It's like Pip or Pap. I said, no, it's Bob. And he, <laughs> he calls me Pop all the time. So it was relieving to know that I'd be able to continue on this journey that we're on together and that he's not going anywhere. That's beautiful. And this is your journey. And for anybody who doesn't quite get the, you know, like believe it or it's against their belief system. This is just take it as honor everyone's path, honor Joe's path. 
but As there is there's, honors your path. There's no contradiction. I mean, the bottom line is I was born Catholic. I was raised Catholic and, and I went to 13 years of Catholic school. The last one didn't work out. We had a series of misunderstandings. But, you know, I still hold on to some of the belief. I'm, I'm a big fan of God and 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 Christ. And mm-hmm. and but I honor other people's religions. You know, I went and saw a guy named uh, John Edward. And, and oh, he, yeah. And in the, in the 90s, I remember watching his show just curiously with Sally a couple of times. Thought, wow, that was so interesting. Well, we saw him. I, had, I was in Florida for a couple months and, and came home. And in the first week of uh, April, he was here. So I went with a medium friend and Sally and we went and saw him. And Chris was all over. I felt him so strong. You know, he's in, I, when he's around, like right now, I get a chill on the back of my neck and I know he's here. You just feel the presence, you know. And I went and saw uh, John and he... We were in the middle of 300 people, and he kept looking over at us. And, and his description of, of religions is like, look, we're not far from our airport. And he said, how many carriers fly in? You know, United, American, Delta. He said, but they all arrive at the same destination. He said, that's how I view religion. And I stole that thought. That's how I view religion now, too. So we were going through this, and I knew Chris was coming through, our clear as day, and all of a sudden, John's wrapping up. And I'm thinking, like, what the heck? This, You know, I was sure. And then he looked over and he said, look, I'm going to describe when I say suicide, when something comes to me like suicide, it doesn't always mean somebody took their life. It could be somebody who's caused their passing, like a DWI or something reckless, you know. And in Chris' case, you know, drinking and recklessness caused him to transition with three other boys. So we looked over here and he said, I have a young man who did just that. And he pointed at me and I, Sally and I stood up and he said, you know, was your son's name Christopher? And I said, yeah. He said, he's with his grandfather. So it was Christopher's middle name, Joseph. I said, yeah. He said, you play lacrosse? I said, yeah. He said, you write a book? I said, I wrote two. He goes, yeah. He told me that. He said, I'm looking at number 22. I see a jersey 22. And Sally said, you know, that was Will's lacrosse number, his little brother. But no, there was... Christopher had a, a Buffalo Bills football jersey that he'd watch football, Freddie Jackson, number 22. And I had a picture of that in my phone and I showed it to <coughs> Sally. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, he didn't change anything in my life other than reinforce what I already knew. But it was so heartwarming and so rewarding, you know, that he had mentioned the year Sally went into private practice and how proud Christopher was. This is 10 minutes. And it was like a Gatlin gun of just amazing support. And most people there were there because of a loss. You know, I, in my own arrogance, I think that no loss is like losing a child. What happened in Texas tore my heart out because I know what the parents are feeling. I mean, this, the sudden ripping of your child from this world is horrific. You know, I couldn't turn around without crying. Look at me. I don't look like a guy cries much, you know, but it's hard because I know what it's like to sit down at that empty table. I know what it's like to look over the spot your kid would be sitting in. And, and it's horrific. And I think the first step is you've got to find a God of your understanding and believe that your child is there and they're happy and they're whole and they're not afraid. And that's, that's one of the hardest things to get your arms around. You know, six and a half years of metaphysical research, I know that these children their soul was pulled from their body before they were riddled with gunfire. That God mm-hmm. takes the soul from the body. I know that. I, I've, I've seen videos of souls leaving the body. 
that happens. So, you know, to those parents and anybody, any parents, it is different. I mean, I've lost four, four or five siblings. I've lost both my parents. And it's, it's heartbreaking, but there's nothing like the loss of a child, you know, and you never get over it. You can function. Charlene, I still love, I live life to the fullest. I do. This morning, I had a bunch of stuff to do, did some writing, did some stuff, went down to the office, came back to talk to you. Tomorrow, I got a business closing, and then I'm going to go play golf and then, and with friends. And, and I'm blessed. I live this life beyond my wildest dream. But I also know, and it's easier for a guy like me, because at 65, I'm closer to the other side than I am to this side. And I know that when I step across that stream, which is exactly what Christopher told me is going to happen, I'll be in the, he said, pop, it'll be like, you'll be walking through the woods, you'd step across the stream and I'll be there. He said, mm-hmm. I can't bring you across, but I'll be there. Now, why are the rules? I don't know. Nobody told me the rules. I you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to ignore them if I knew them, but there are certain rules and they can't bring you across, but they're there urging you to make that step. It happened with my sister, his godmother. Um, and he told me that they were all there. My brother, Jerry, Billy, Bobby, Pat, Carrie, Chris were there to greet my sister, Marsha. And he cute. said, when Marsha transitioned, she, we all, she joined us, but then she had to go somewhere like a spa. And when she came back, she was younger than I remembered when she was a kid. And what that was, Shar, is that she had died, she had fought cancer for five years and finally just called it a day and threw in the towel. So when she crossed, the, the cancer stayed with her body, but the trauma crossed with her. And she mm. had to go somewhere, like a spa. What a loving way to put it for a woman, yes. right? like a spa. And when she came back, all of, all of the pain, the cancer, even some of the age had gone. And she was a young, vibrant woman again that Christopher adored as his, uh, his aunt and godmother. You know, on the right before Marcia transitioned, and her and I were very close, and and, and she loved me when I wasn't so lovable, you know, and uh, and she said to me, you know, honey, you, you, Joey, she said, you gave me the greatest gift. I read your book and I'm not afraid to die. Well, mm-hmm. a few days later, she transitioned. And the following year, I was with this wonderful medium, Jill Nicole, on my birthday. Uh, so January 9th, 2020. And Jill said, you know, Chris is here, but so is a woman who wearing glasses. She's pretty short hair. There was brown hair. That was Marsha. And he said, you know, she has the title of aunt, mother, godmother, sister. I said, yeah, I know who that is. And she said, she's calling you Joey. And she said, honey, thanks for the greatest gift. This wasn't written in any book yet. Nobody knew this. This was just an event. And Marsha was telling me that she's there. and She's with Chris a lot. And they're with the family. I mean, that's what, that's what the other side's all about. You know, it's about love and family and helping and growing. Yeah, so, how, how beautiful to look. Sign me up, Shar. I'm, yes. I'm okay. <laughs> and I always talk about um, part of what I do. I say I take you, you know, I help you get from heartbreak to heartbreak through. Right. Can you tell me what that would mean to you as, you know, someone who has experienced yeah. it, the heartbreak and how you got into the heartbreak through? Vivian Green says, life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. And that's what it is. You know, that, you know, you can't fake it till you make it. You don't put on a happy face. I'm telling you, if you have a loss, grieve it. Let it, let it. I mean, for me, and it still comes to this day, Shar, that it's like a tsunami that'll just, 
you know, I long, we put our dog down. Now, what happens is that grief connects to the other grief and, mm-hmm. and you're feeling just tidal waves of grief. And, and I got to tell you, I let it happen. You know, I let it take me. And, and, and it's like it's not, it comes and then it goes back out. Right. But if you try to stuff it down or pretend it's not there, you get an ulcer. Mm-hmm. So if I'm happen to be sitting on the deck and I have one of those moments, I just cry. And like you said, you know, maybe not a tough guy, but, but certainly not a shrink and violent. So I don't care if I'm sad. Somebody sees me and I'm I'm grieving that moment. You know, that's my moment. So wherever you are in your grief, there you are. Yeah. You know, but I do promise. It'll never go away, but you'll acquire tools to deal with it, Mm -hmm. right? And you'll learn the ropes. I know it's going to come in, take my soul, and then go back out. And the memory and the love and and the signs and the experiences will all be there. And this is a short run. You know, I know, you know, that's why I'm not afraid to die. I know when the time comes and, you know, all of a sudden the lineup card says, you know, Pitching on the other side, right-hander Joe McQuillan. It's like, okay, if it's time to go, Mm -hmm. I'm not worried because I know what heaven's going to be like. You know, he told me one time, Dad, he said, your side is like football camp. He said, it's a lot of work and it's grueling physically, but it's competition and you're with your friends and it's fun and you're having a wonderful. He said, that's what your side's like. It's good, but it's a lot of work. He said, my side's like a beach bungalow in Maui. (laughs) <laughs> Sign me up for that one. You know, yeah. He comes through, he, every time he comes through, he comes through in a Tommy Bahama shirt. You know, mediums always tell me he's in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> oh my God. What a beautiful way to look to, you know, just be in life and, and not be afraid. And I'm not afraid of anything. Shot. Yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. And I hope our listeners can see the, the pureness Joe's not selling anything. He's just being him. And I just love it. And I hope this helps some of our readers today or listeners today. And Joe, you're just magnificent. I just love you and appreciate you. And so glad you are on the planet. And when you write your third book, we'll get you back on here. I'm in, I'm in the middle of it. I'm writing it now. So. Great. And and also, I have I've had many losses myself. We're both in our 60s. Sure, your parents. Young, and... vital 60s. Yeah. But, you know, what I grieve the most in the people who have died in my life is the physical part. The physical right. has died. Right. So, and they're off to their greater yet to be whatever that is. And that's how I believe, whether you're into that or not. But they're interested in you. You know, I was speaking to a group at the Wilmette Theater a couple of years back, and, and a woman said, you know, well, my sister died three years, and she hasn't come through to me. And I guess I was in a little bit of a testy mood. And I go, well, what have you done? What have you done to enhance that? You know, because, the, you know, you've got to do your part so that they can connect with you. I said, do some research. Get off your butt. You know, if you want to connect with your sister, you got to go first. It's like the book. Remember the book, The Secret? It was a wonderful book. And it talks about you have the universe will reward you, but you got to go first. You got to make yes. the effort. So if there's somebody you want to connect with, get my two books, read them. They're like boots on the ground, metaphysical for dummies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of one. I think it was uh, Bridging Boat Two Realms is a fabulous book by John Holland. There's some wonderful books. And there's some books that I just don't connect to. If you start reading a book and it doesn't connect your soul, close it, throw it out, give it to charity, go get another one. Because one of these books is going to catch you and it's going to change how you approach the rest of your life. Yes. And that those operative words, do the work. There's a saying, 
discovery is not recovery. You know, you do the, you can read, but practice the steps, read your book, go to the woman who you said, um, Susan Giesman, who she's amazing. She's got a website. She teaches, go check her website emails. I mean, uh, you know, you can click on and and listen to her. I've got on my website. I have a bunch of great interviews, one by this beautiful British uh, filmmaker, Kevin Moore, you know, I've been blessed to be connected with these wonderful guys. There's a, a terrific guy that is, is in, in, in Arizona, and he's done a, a bunch of Life to Afterlife is his series. Um, get on, you know, the computer is full of this stuff. Go yeah, on, I love Google. Figure it out. And, you know, and just try to figure it out with an open mind. Yes. Craig McMahon is the uh, is the guy from Arizona. And I was we did a little documentary together, too. And basically, it's that there's important messages that this isn't it right? Mm-hmm. Enjoy this life. It's short. It's wonderful. You know, enjoy this life, but understand that this isn't it. This, you know, this isn't, this isn't our only go around. People go out of town and they research where they're going to go to a state hotel or go to dinner or a park or whatever. We're all going to the other side, try to get a little acclimated. And maybe that'll take some of the, I watched people during COVID hunt that were just holding on so tight, triple masks and running away from people. And it's like, I get it, but you know, this isn't it. This isn't our last stop. This is just one bus ride. Yes. And the more you learn and talk about death, even if it's in your little noggin, like I have a fear. I remember I used to fear, fear, fear death because my parents died suddenly. Yeah. My dad died at 46. My dad, my mother died when I was 59. And when she was 59 and I was 29. And, you know, once I passed those years, you think about it. And I still, okay. And knowing that I'm like, how do I live my life differently? How do I make the most of it? So I don't take it for granted. Right. Every day, every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And and then when we have a tragedy, you got to honor what happened, those souls going home to God, but then you want to really honor it. Do something nice for somebody today. Mm -hmm. Go out of your way, make somebody on the other side, proud of you. Because you care enough to help out a little bit. Yes. And even if you don't think you go to the other side, be nice. Go be of service to someone. Be in your grief. Share your grief. It'll cut, be cut in half. Or just something that's soothing, like a nice little balm on a, yeah. you know, on just a hurt. And yeah. so I love, Joe, I could talk to you for a long time. <laughs> I enjoyed it very but much. But we're going to, this is the end. And Joe's, all his information will be on the podcast site. And But for now, Joe McQuinlan, he's on Google and all that stuff you can JoeMcQuillan.net. And my email is jbmcquillan at gmail.com. If you want to reach out, you need to talk. You need somebody to try to understand what you're going through. I'm just a regular guy going through this this hurt and love that we're all going through, you know? Yes. And I support you all the way. And so happy again. We'll see you soon. I would say probably in the next year. Yeah, pretty soon. (laughs) Okay. Well, everybody go get his book, go to his website. He's the real deal. And, um, and is just one of the most loving people. And I'm so fortunate to have you on this podcast today. So thank you, Joe. Thank you, Shara. And we'll see you guys next time. Please, we're all on most of the podcast platforms. And please subscribe, rate, and review. I do Apple Podcasts as one of my favorites because it's great, but we have Spotify and all the other ones. And please share it with someone. They may need it. And keep coming back. Keep coming back. Peace and love, everybody. 
Thank you for joining our Grief Recovery Now journey. Like what you heard? It would be the biggest compliment to our mission if you would please subscribe, rate, and review Grief Recovery Now on Apple Podcasts. And we'll keep you posted on our next podcast. If you don't have Apple, we are also on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Also, please join our private Facebook group, Grief Recovery Now. And if you are in need of any personal attention, please contact me with the link on this podcast page, which is griefrecoverymethod.com forward slash G-R-M-S forward slash Charlene dash Gorzella. It would be an honor to hear from you.